Hello, and thank you for joining This Is Just a Phase. I'm your host, Jonathan Kent. Um, On this episode, I'm going to try things a little bit differently since this episode isn't uh, one that features a member of a band. Um, I'm going to actually lead in with a couple couple, uh, reminders and then lead into the description of the episode. So that being said... Um, anybody who wants to go to the Facebook account can go check it out at This Is Just a Face. If Facebook isn't your thing, you can go head over to my Instagram at jonathankent.311. Um, also do yourself a favor and check out This Is Just a Record Label dot bandcamp.com, uh, for a bunch of releases that me and my good friend Mike have been putting out. That being said, uh, on this episode, uh, I'm excited to have a punk rock author, Greg Slauson, on the show. Uh, We chat about his book, Punk Rock Trivia Rules OK, and coming up with the questions and where he found his inspiration. We also discuss growing up in Western Massachusetts, his time going to college in Cleveland and DJing at Western Reserve University, his job as a high school teacher, some of his favorite questions, and his work on a future book as well. So please sit back and get more intelligent with this episode of This Is Just a Phase. And as I start most episodes, Jay, take us away. And you've got no self-esteem There's a hole inside your head With the future to be seen Let's go Good. How are you doing today, man? Good. Good. Well, Greg, thank you very much for coming on the podcast, my man. Oh, no problem. Um, I'm here sitting talking to uh, Greg Slauson, who wrote the amazing book, uh, Punk Rock Trivia Rules OK, (laughs) uh, where you can find that over on Kindle and uh, Amazon. Uh, thank Thank you so much for being on the podcast, my man. Cool. Yeah, so I wanted to talk to you about your book, and um, I have a bunch of other questions I want to ask you as well. So uh, what I want to do is actually start with the book. Okay. Um, how did you come up with the idea of of writing Punk Rock Trivia Rules OK, and where did your love of uh, the trivia side of things come into play? 
Well, let's see. Where did I not come up with the idea of writing punk rock trivia? <laughs> um, <laughs> actually, I did a, another trivia book um, about uh, two years ago. Just I was I started making music trivia quizzes for teachers at work, um, and uh, you know I kept doing it and doing it, and I got up to seven hundred questions and put that out as another trivia book. But that was much broader. That was everything from you know music terms to classical to punk rock and everything in between. Okay. And so you know, you're a teacher by trade then. Yeah, I'm a high school teacher and okay. you know, I played music as a kid and I've always been into it. But so, you know, that book was kind of doing okay. And then, well, I've really been a punk rock fan for over 40 years since high school. Oh, wow. Um, my main focus. So I figured, well, why not do another trivia just on the stuff I really know the best? And then that's where the idea for, for this book came to be. Yeah. And I don't think there's too many, um, you know, there's not really, there's a lot of rock trivia stuff out there, but I don't think there's too much punk rock trivia. No, and what's really funny is we, we had we had talked before, and um, when me and my wife first got together, she knew that I was big into, like, trivia and games and stuff like that, and that um, she had known from mutual friends that I'm really knowledgeable about things mm-hmm. when it comes to music in general and, and especially punk rock. So we used to go on and find like online quizzes or like she would go on like Wikipedia and like look up bands and like she would ask, and I'd be like, oh, ask me whatever you want to. Members of bands, record labels, when, th- you know, I'll give you any of the information you want. Because um, I think that's from like years of like reading like rock magazines and stuff like that, that will throw all that information at you. Right. And for some reason, I kind of retained all that stuff. Oh, nice. So, but we always had that kind of option, but to actually see like there's a book that's dedicated to the same things that we were doing, just specifically for that reason. Like you you made a book of trivia for punk rock fans. Right. And it's actually, it's a little broader. Um, I kind of intended this for, you know, people like me that have just been into um, music for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, it includes um, New Wave and Ska and Reggae, which I, I was really into for a long time, especially Reggae and, um, you know, Goth and Industrial and some college rock bands and, um, you know, all the genres of punk. So it's pretty broad based. You know what? And I, and I like that because, you know what, I, I find myself as a as a as a broad punk fan, you know, I'm. I'm 41 and I grew up in the 90s, 80s and 90s where I was exposed to the height of a lot of these genres. I mean, being part of the MTV generation, being exposed to pop punk, new wave, industrial, you know, you name it, indie rock even. I mean, a lot of those indie rock bands had their start in the punk scene. Um, so to, to see you do like a broad, a broad, array of the scene was really awesome i like it that you didn't stay specifically to one subgenre. so let me ask you uh how did you first get into punk rock you said you've been a fan for over 40 years right oh great question so in high school it must have been around 79 or 80 um you know i never really listened to much music maybe top 40 a little bit when i was a kid and i played some instruments but there was this weird kid that kept running around the school and he was always busting into a classroom and playing Devo and stuff like that. And I thought, wow, this stuff is so cool. It's just weird. You know, these people are, they look like robots and 
it kind of just clicked with me and I just thought it was the coolest thing. Um, and I started checking out, um, you know, I eventually got into like the real punk rock, like the Ramones and everything. And then the two-tone ska movement and reggae. And um, this was still in high school. And it just, you know, like the energy of that stuff was just um, unmatched. I mean, you still can't really match it. Even early stuff like Talking Heads and Elvis Costello just had incredible energy. And you were also getting exposed, like you said, to the two-tone and the ska, you know, groups right. like UB40 and Madness and uh, the specials, I'm sure, were, were coming under your radar at that time. Yeah, the specials were my favorite. Still are. Still nice. out there as well. <laughs> I still go see them live every time they're in town. Oh, that's awesome. And you, and you mentioned Diva, which they're, they're from not too far from where I am. They're from Akron and right. uh, got their start at Kent State. And I'm... Uh, on the border of Pennsylvania and Ohio. Right. Yeah, you're near I'm Pittsburgh, right? What's that? You're near Pittsburgh, right? Yeah, north of Pittsburgh, and I'm east of Youngstown. Okay. If you ever heard of Youngstown. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, Genesis for a, quite a bit of music, too. Uh, two of the members from the Dead Boys are from Youngstown. Um, right. But I, uh, I went to college in Cleveland, so um, I did uh, radio shows. Uh, Case Western Reserve University station. And I, you know, and then I was getting sort of more into hardcore. I did several different radio shows. Like there was one that was more sort of country punk mixed with like roots music. Okay. Like Jason and the Scorchers. And then there was one that was more hardcore. And there was one that was more early uh, UK punk and one that was more kind of punk funk. So I've really been into all those styles quite a bit too. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cleveland's, Cleveland's music scene is, uh, very eclectic. I think Ohio in general very eclectic, but especially Cleveland. I mean, you have your you have your, you know, your hardcore scene, you have your very kind of uh I guess you would call it weirdo punk. <laughs> um very lo-fi um and, you know, but hardcore was always the one that seemed to get the most attention. Right. Uh, just because of uh like Victory Records, two bands from from Cleveland were on were on Victory Records uh ringworm and uh, integrity cool so yeah we yeah it's the same thing with pittsburgh i mean pittsburgh's got probably pittsburgh got more notoriety for like the street punk uh the cross punk kind of scene for uh throughout the 90s with bands like uh os rotten and cost of christ cool. um that was there that was pretty much like their notorious and later on of course like anti-flag <laughs> right <laughs> Apologize 
I want to. I want to ask you something. Uh, I noticed that you're from Massachusetts, right? I'm in Boston. You're in Boston. Um, you you mentioned that you were getting into music in, in high school in the early '80s. Um, you were getting into the uh, you were getting into the new wave and the ska. Um, by the mid mid '80s, were you aware of what was coming through Massachusetts at that time with the uh, I guess you would call um, uh, kind of the post-hardcore, almost like the what, what eventually would become uh, indie rock, uh, Dinosaur Jr., The Pixies, Lebonheads. Yeah, I was um, really into that. Like I moved, I graduated and moved back here in 85. Okay. And, um, I had already known, you know, from doing radio, I had already known about a lot of the local bands um, and uh, played them on the show. And then I, you know, just started to go see them all when I moved here and great scene i mean there was bands that some are still around like the dogmatics who i just saw mm. um scruffy the cat um some of the more rootsy stuff um there was O positive and buzz in the gang and last stand who were more sort of like stiff little finger style punk and mm-hmm. just tons and tons of bands so they would you know they would play at the rat um which people will know about you know you'd see three four or five bands for like seven bucks <laughs> oh yeah the queers played at the rat and they have that song you know <laughs> So I would, you know, I would be going to see local bands um, a couple of times a week and all the national bands that came through town as well. I remember meeting Kim Deal from the Pixies. I actually never saw them live, but um, oh, I remember wow. standing at the Rat one day with a friend of mine before a show. It was probably like 9 p.m. And I remember this short uh, young woman who walks, just walks up to us and starts talking. And she says, oh, I just started a new band. You should check them out. And we said, what's the name of the band? And she said, the Pixies. And, and um, so we just kept joking with her about the name of the band and stuff and going back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> That's super cool, man. Pretty cool. Yeah. When I was uh, when I was in high school, probably, I don't know, 96, 97, um, I watched an old interview with Nirvana. Like I had already mentioned earlier, I'm the 90s kid. I got pretty much into punk, uh, starting with Nirvana and then Green Day. But um, I remember like rewatching it. I think it was MTV replayed an old interview with with Kurt, and uh, they were saying they were talking about smells like Teen Spirit. And at one point, uh, they said like, "Oh, uh, Chris said it sounded like a Pixies ripoff." Uh-huh. And I'm like, "Pixies," and I was like, "Oh, that sounds like. Oh, I wonder what that band is." Well, a couple weeks later, I go to right next door to my dad, my dad and my stepmom's house. Mm-hmm. I uh, go to this garage, they're having a garage sale and I'm going, I always go through the music stuff, cassettes, records, CDs, whatever. And I'm going through and I come across two Pixies cassettes. Mm-hmm. Um, one being Bossa Nova and the other being um, Doolittle. 
So those were the, yeah, Bossa Nova and Doolittle. And those were the first two releases I bought by them. And I, that summer I wore those tapes out. Right. And eventually, which set me down the rabbit hole of other bands from there. Cause I'm a type of person is when I find a specific group that I, then I'm gravitating towards other stuff. So like I'm reading up on the Pixies and then I discovered, you know what I mean? Like I said, I discovered bands like Dinosaur Jr. And, um, um, you know, uh, like I said, Juliana Hatfield, the Blake Babies and Lemonheads, which I all kind of knew a little bit of, Mm -hmm. uh, but I really, that's what I started gravitating towards. And then ended up gravitating towards one of my favorite bands because of Dinosaur Jr., which is Sabato. Right. Um, which is uh, Lou from Dinosaur Jr.'s other band. Right. <clears throat> but, I mean, yeah, I wanted to ask you about that, that that Cambridge-Boston scene, and I wanted to know how much of a part of that you were. Yeah, I mean, I was pretty much from the mid-'80s to um, the mid-'90s. I had all the... You know, just all the local bands that were um, there was the hardcore scene too, which was a little bit separate. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with Gangrene and the Proletariat and so forth. But there was just the really close knit um, local scene. Um, like I remember seeing the Lemonheads um, at the Rat um, when Evan Dana was just a teenager with a whiffle. Um, but there were a <laughs> lot of you know lesser known bands that played together. There was the Flies and the Outlets, and um, you know, there's just tons of them. And then, you know, some of them still have members that are kicking around here and there. Of course, just like Maybe just like any rock are. scene. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and then the scene kind of just um, splintered into different sort of genres a little bit later in the '90s. But it's always there's always been a good music scene in Boston. Yeah. No, I I want to ask you a question in regards to back to the book. When you're coming up with trivia questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much like I I know how I what kind of information I I retain when it comes to to music and certain bands. How much of your writing for the trivia book was knowledge that you had already had, and how much of it was stuff that you had to go and actually like go in and research? Right, good question. I'd say um, well, Thank at you. least half of it was just stuff that I just knew. And I still, you know, fact-checked it to make sure I wasn't missing anything. And then um, another big chunk of it was just stuff that I thought would be a good question. Like, for example, how many albums does Bad Religion have? Which I didn't know, so I just looked up. Um, oh, that's a tool. Good. Oh. It's quite a few. <laughs> it's a lot, man. Because they were putting out releases, like, every year there for a minute after Suffer. Yeah, and they've been around for a long time. I would probably say 16 at least. Oh, you're close. It's 17. 17, okay. <laughs> right. And, you know, so like I said, a lot of it was just stuff that I just knew. I mean, I and I even, like, left out some stuff that was too difficult. Um, so it's, you know, it kind of ra- ranges from on the easy side of punk to the semi-hard. But I'm actually working on a third one now that's going to have tougher questions, and it sticks more closely to... Um, you know, traditional punk and new wave and maybe noise rock and things like that. Okay. Um, so like, the, are you going to, are you going to do like a year mark, like 1976 to a certain year kind of a thing? No, it's pretty much, um, like the, um, punk rock trivia rules. Okay. Is pretty much everything from, you know, pre punk up to the present. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and just cause of my knowledge, it's probably got more, 
late seventies and early mid eighties and other periods, but I tried to include everything. You know, some um, some of I left out a lot of the sappier eighties new wave stuff. Oh, <laughs> uh, like the like the new romantics and stuff like that. That kind of air. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's like an OMD and a couple others, but you know, and I tried to leave out like um, there's not a lot of like super obscure hardcore in there. It's more. So you weren't going, you weren't going to the underbelly of of the hardcore scene. You were trying to keep to the the Black Flag, the Dead Kennedys, the Gang of Four kind of era. Yeah, yeah and then there's some lesser known bands too. Um, but the um, new the new one, when I finish it, it'll have more obscure stuff. But you know, I mean, it would be kind of boring if it was just all obscure hardcore. It'd be like, what you know, what band from Iowa existed from you know, 97 to 98 and stuff like that. But. Oh, yeah, you're like, you're going into it. I mean, like that, there's some stuff. Uh, I remember my wife, she cracked me up. I mentioned earlier, we she used to give me trivia. Mm-hmm. And she was, uh, she was giving me like where, where a certain band was from. And the answer wasn't what I said. Mm-hmm. And like, I could have swore I was right. And like, I was so pissed off. And she goes, <laughs> John, the fact that you're in a 20 mile radius of where this band's from is insane. <laughs> it was uh, it was the Offspring, and I said Huntington Beach, uh-huh. and it was Garden Grove. Oh, uh, okay. And she, I looked, I went online and I fucking looked it up. I I could have swore it was Huntington Beach. Blah 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 blah. Come to find, I went to their actual website. And it said fucking Garden Grove, California. I went, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. A lot of the early LA punk was from Huntington Beach too. Yeah, a lot, a lot of the the what uh um that what the addicts are from there, or not the addicts. Um, oh shit, the one the band that Des was in first. Um, uh, not uh, not the Alley Cat. Wait, what was he in first? I think that's going to be in Adolescence. Oh, Adolescence. Yeah, yeah, that, not Vegas. the addicts. Yeah, the Adolescence. <laughs> right. Um, cause I've watched tons of, tons of documentaries. Um, and I got a lot of information from the documentaries too. Was that something that you were kind of going for as well? Um, yeah, there's stuff from, uh, documentaries and from just personal, not like seeing the bands and from collecting the records and, um, talking to people, you know, it's a pretty big mix of stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated with it. I'm, I'm fascinated with you writing the book. You know, we we connected because you you post in multiple Facebook groups. Yeah, although and, I try to post a question on a group that sort of fits with the music, you know. Well, yeah, with the music, and I just when you first started doing that, I was like, I was like, that's fucking awesome. That's genius. Like, you know, but it's 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 kind of like I said, me and my wife sitting around, or me and my friends sitting around. You know, you know, somebody says something, I'm like, no, you're wrong. It's blah 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 blah. You know what I mean? Because when you get into punk rock, and I don't know how many other genres are like that, but with punk rock, it's like you want to you want to take in as much information of these bands and and of the music that you can. Right. At least it was for me. I was I was buying magazine after magazine and and watching documentary after documentary, trying to soak in as much information I can. And it was like I know it's useless knowledge, but it's what I like. Oh yeah, I remember. I remember when I first got into it in high school. Um, 
listening. I was near in Western Mass near two great college radio stations and just listening to all the punk and, you know, new music shows and just writing down the names of all the bands I could and then checking them out in more detail. And then trying to find find them at the local record store or, you know, oh, trying yeah. to see who, if any of your friends have them so you right. can dub a tape, right? <laughs> yeah, well, even in uh, Western Mass, you know, near the colleges, um, there were only two other kids in my high school class who um, were into anything like that. And, you know, they were mostly into just the Ramones. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, there wasn't a lot of uh, people with those record collections, at least where I was. But yeah, uh, a lot of those people uh, were... Yeah, there's still a store there that I used to go to every day after school and just, you know, I'd be, do you have the latest from a certain ratio? Do you have the latest Mikey Dread? You know, do you have the, um, I got to get all the Clash imports and all that stuff.
well, that's cool. That's, that's what you do. That's, that's what I did when I was in high school. I would, I would mow grass over the weekend or shovel snow over the weekend. And I would, you know, save all my money. And then we had a record store not too far from our house called um, the record den. Mm -hmm. And I would go up there with like a hundred, 150 bucks. And I would go crazy. I'd spend hours in there and I would buy 10, 15 CDs or however many records or however many cassettes that I could because I was, it, it was such an on, like during that time, it was such an onslaught of music. It was like, you were, be, you were getting exposed to so much music, you know, punk and, uh, you know, other genres too. I listened to a wide array of music, but, you know, during like, from like 94 to 97, it was like all punk. Right. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, that's kind of been um, the main thing I've been into. And the interesting thing about uh, punk and new wave is that it, uh, had so many other influences you know you had a punk funk scene in new york and like i said cow punk um and now they call it alt country and it's really watered down and yeah uh, you know of course the big reggae influence especially in england um and you know there, i mean there's pretty much every genre has influenced punk so i started getting more into other things like country and jazz later on um but it all sort of started with punk and reggae like, and remember back you know back in the um late seventies, early eighties, they would put out records like so quickly. Mm -hmm. um, like in England, uh, you know, a band like the English beat or whatever would put out usually three singles before the album and everybody would buy the singles. And then when the album came out, everybody would buy the album. And you had bands like who's and the Minutemen that were putting out, um, the equivalent of about 200 songs in five years, you know, just, Oh yeah. Like they put out two EPs in an album a year, you know, for Oh yeah. They put out seven inch and two ten inches and then they'd put out an album and then they'd put out another ten inch. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. But you know what though? A lot of the a lot of the earlier, like especially like in the early sixties, like when they had like the you know, what was it like the Mercy Beat, you know, and like the 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 Manchester scene and the Beatles and the Kinks and all that. Yeah. They were doing that. They were putting out two, three albums a year. Right. You know, they were just generating. I mean, they were putting out so much. I mean, even bands like Led Zeppelin were putting out at one point, like two albums a year. Yeah. And I think it's, it's more just like the artists just had so much coming out of them, you know, especially when they were younger. Mm -hmm. Well, then you look at like later on, like a band like Nirvana, who put out, who really only put out their, the, the bulk of their, um, their music in a, in a, in a four year span. Right. You know, and, you know, and they had enough stuff that they were putting out, you know, what, four, four B-sides collections as well. Like, it was, it was crazy. Oh, right. You know, they had the outside, they had the Alcesticide series, which at one point I actually owned all of them and broke the bank trying to become, <laughs> try to collect them all. Yeah, it can get expensive. So yeah, when you're 14, 15 years old, you're like you're in the back wall looking for like Japanese imports and you're just like, oh my god. <laughs> now I look right. at people who do that and I go, You're fucking crazy, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's been other genres of music where the record companies have kind of pushed um artists to just release tons and tons of stuff, like people like George Jones and mm -hmm. even Sinatra just and some of the jazz musicians um were spewing out music like crazy. But that was the record company to do that just yeah or maybe some of the reggae artists as well but i think with the punk and the like you mentioned the garage punk of the 60s 
I think it was just the performers that wanted to do it. They just mm-hmm. couldn't stop, you know? Yeah, because then you would also have places like Sun Studios and um, Chess Records that were trying to capitalize as much as they could on the musicians and just kept just kept the machine going. Right. That's yeah. But, you know, with the punk scene, it was more indie. It was all. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like what they call indie now. Uh, oh, no, because a lot of. A lot of- a lot of people don't realize a lot of those early punk bands they were they were all on majors yeah but a lot of the u.s ones weren't um you know it really was an indie scene they would put out their own fanzines and put up their own tour flyers and mm-hmm. you know book their own tours i mean people like mike watts still do that you know he stayed at my place a few years ago oh yeah like you did yeah you had you had especially out in california yeah that was that was a big one I and mean, you had you had SST, you had a cruise, you had, um, God, so many labels out in California. Yeah. But the New York scene, especially early on, I mean, the Ramones signed to Sire and Blondie signed to Chrysalis. And um, I just think it was maybe based on the availability of those indie labels. Yeah, well, it was kind of like a big sensation early on, you know, with Talking Heads and the whole New York scene and then the English scene, which started right after that. So mm-hmm. yeah, most of the early bands were on major labels. And yeah. in fact, in, in places like England where they had much better radio, you know, they groups like the pistols had number one hits and the jam had a lot. And even, you know, bands here that are, are lesser known, like bad manners, um, you know, nine, 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 they had, they were they had hits in England. And here they mm-hmm. I'm kind of losing you again. All right. Is that better? Yeah, yeah, much better. Much better. I was saying in a lot of those early uh, bands in England, like even ones that aren't well known here, like Bad Manners um, and the Jam and stuff, had, well, they were pretty well known, but they had, you know, hits, like number one hits and stuff in England. Yeah, you had mentioned like 999 too. Yeah, and here they were just college radio bands mostly. You know? mm-hmm. um, I have one, one question I do want to ask before I let you go. Um, the one, one thing that I, I, I always ask people, um, what era, what era of punk rock do, did you find yourself drawing the most from and what band do you think you've had? Like, um, like you drew the most inspiration from when you were doing the trivia book? Oh, when I was doing the trivia. Oh, that's hard to say because there's so many. I mean, some of my favorite bands over the years have been the Meat Puppets, Killing Jokes, Stiff Little Fingers. I've seen them 10 times each and have all their albums. Um, so I, like I said, with the book, I tried to really mix it up and sort of get a little bit of everything in there. Um, but I could have, you know, I could have come up with like, actually, I'd say The Clash that definitely have the most questions on the class just because they have such an interesting history and all the members have done different things and stuff. And you, and you were pulling back from 40 years from when you were in high school. Yeah. But you know, there's current stuff in there. There's, you know, Fontaine's DC and the idols and stuff like that. I just missed getting Amel and the sniffers in there. Cause I hadn't heard of them until a year ago. Oh, great band. My, my, my buddy Sam got me into them a number of years ago and I'm like, Holy shit. Yeah. I can't wait to see them live. Oh, me too. Um, that was that was kind of a loaded question that I asked you. It was from both, like, 
you know, what, what are the bands that you were the most inspired by? And then when you were doing the book, so you, 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 you followed that really well. I think I appreciate that. Cool. Well, yeah. you know, I've been into, um, like, you know, I was a huge clash fan when they were around and still am and Ramones and, um, a lot of the, you know, us hardcore stuff I was really into at the time. No, um, when when you were doing the book was there um you just did it on the digital aspect are, are there any plans of doing actual like a physical copy of it uh maybe in the future it's just um people told me that oh if you do it through amazon they let you self-publish it and you can kind of do it the way you want and it's also cheaper you know you don't have to um look for a publisher or worry about printing it makes so sense it is, you know it's uh it's seven bucks, so it's a pretty cheap price, and people can download it to a phone or computer or pretty much any device, I believe. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I remember I was asking about that, and you were like, you did it specifically on digital, which makes sense because when you're when you're doing it yourself and you're self financing it yourself, it makes all the sense in the world just to make it on the best platform you can, and not too many people you know, first thought is to grab a physical book. A lot of things or everything is done on their Kindle, everything's done on their phone, everything's done on their yeah. tablet or whatever. Although if I had my choice, I would do a paper copy and not do it through Amazon because they're pretty evil, as we all know. But um, <laughs> at least you, let you do it yourself and, you know, it's cheap to do and everything. And yeah. And like I said, when you're doing it DIY and you're doing it independently, it's, it's, it's the most cost-efficient way to do it. Yeah, exactly. You know. Which makes sense. I mean, that's why I think I, I know a lot of bands who just release stuff digitally. They don't even bother making a physical copy of stuff, which it works for them. You right. know what I mean? Not every fan base yeah. is like that, though. Right. Although so I you buy CDs and old vinyl and stuff like that. Oh yeah, I still do too. Even... I mean, I, I have my own uh, my own CD label, so I'm <laughs> like, I'm right, like yeah. I, I I can't I can't lose that. I can't lose people. Actually, even if it's even if they look at it as a novelty a novelty item, mm -hmm. and they just download the songs anyways, it's 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 nice to have that physical copy of something. And I I feel like that with books too. It's still nice to have that. Right. So that yeah, physical anything that that's new that I want, really want to get, I make sure I find a way to get a CD copy or vinyl if, if it's just on vinyl, you know? Yeah, and a lot of labels, they do the digital download codes with it anyways, you know what I mean? So you, you, right. you can keep your vinyl in the plastic and still be able to listen to it if, if that's the way that you want to do it. Right. Um.
I wanted to ask you something. Uh, what band do you think you've seen the most times? Um, well, there's, uh, I've seen, um, if you combine like the Minutemen, Firehose, and then the other bands Mike Watts been in, probably them, that would be at least 20, I'd say. But I've seen the Meat Puppets 10 times and Stiff Little Fingers 10 times um, and a bunch of the local bands, like I mentioned, Scruffy the Cat, you know, probably closer to 20 times. Oh, wow. But I, uh, I actually, um, I remember most of the shows I've been to, even though it's in the hundreds. And I made a list of my hundred favorite bands and how many times I was able to come pretty close to remembering how many times I've seen each one of them. But then there's like a lot of others that aren't in my top hundred that I've seen also. Yeah. I think of the, what you would consider big bands. Um, I would have seen probably most would be anti-flag, no effects and bad religion are my, my top three. Oh, cool. If you're going, just because anti-flag being so close to, to where I'm from, yeah. um, I I was seeing them back as far as 97. So cool. Um, I've I would twice, but uh, and I've only seen Bad Religion and No FX uh, once, but they were they were all great, of course. Yeah, they're they're great. I, I I was lucky enough to see them again when they did the Punk and Drublick, and I was at I was able to add another time with those guys and Mad Caddies too. Oh, cool. Which which is another one of my favorites. Um, what 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 newer bands do you think you've talked about the most in the book? And um, can you give me the the reason and reasons or the importance of including those bands in the book? Well, because you know we want to keep music going. We we don't want to just like live in the past either. Yeah. I yeah, agree. I've got like some of the newer ones, like the Idols and Fontaine's DC, are in there. Um, you know, and a lot of bands that are still around that have never broken up, like a certain ratio, are still around. Mm-hmm. They don't come to the U.S. much, but yeah. Like, did you include anybody like the Chats or Waves or any of those kind of bands? Also, no, not them. I've got some of the, um, you know, I got a, some of the uh, sort of garage rock revival bands, like the Spits in there and the Vines and people like that. Yeah, that were kind of known for being one specific thing, but they were actually more punk bands, honestly. Right. You know, a lot of people just know them from like their one single and kind of lumped them in with that uh, that early 2000s garage revival. But a lot of those bands were punk bands. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you, where, where do you find bands like the early? And it's, 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 a, it's a very touchy subject because... Mm-hmm especially people in my age bracket mm-hmm. um, bands in the early 2000s of, of where where they where people view them at um, did you did you talk about you know did you write about bands like Fallout boy and Paramore and like the the more uh, punk beats pop aspect as, as, as you know more punk pop kind of set yeah there's some of that in there too um you know, bands like uh, No Means No and H2O and um, some of the pop punk bands are in there. Yeah, because um, some people punk. say that it's, they're too much pop based and that they're yeah. further removed from punk. But I was like, you know what? It's 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 all it's all relative. Yeah, I didn't want to focus too much on them. But I think there's a Travis uh, Baker question in there and, um, mm. you know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> some of the nineties bands. 
Um, Smoking folks are in there. They they actually just got back together. Yeah. Um, when when people ask you about the book, what 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 questions do you tend to tend to get asked a lot of? Uh, you mean about the book or questions from the book? A question from the book, questions about the book. Like where where do people have a tendency to kind of uh, either want more information about or or a little bit more inquisitive about? Oh yeah, well. Um... I don't know. Some of my favorite questions, there's one about the bad brains. It's, uh, they're actually similar. There's one about the fall and, which, and one about the bad brains asking which statement is not true about them. And those are kind of, and then there's uh, another one that was done a little bit in jest, but it's, um, it's a question that says, um, which um, Iggy Pop tune is tattooed on Henry Rollins's back? <laughs> so. Oh, nice. Nice questions, man. <laughs> so um and then like a lot of people will answer that correctly or even wrong and then you know i'll say like i actually remember a black flag gig where he was across the floor when he sang damaged for like 10 minutes and he's through all the broken glass and stuff and back then he didn't have a tattoo on his back yeah the one in the question so i actually got to see his back <laughs> before the tattoo before the tattoo <laughs> yeah. like so how often do you find a uh question about punk tattoos not too often not too often i mean the the most popular punk tattoo is probably the the the, the bars yeah um, the bars or the the misfit skull right which i don't have either of so i'm i'm happy to i'm able to say that <laughs> yeah. i have my trivia the 52 quizzes i have a question in there about um which band is known more for their logo than for their music? Like which punk band is known more for their logo than the music? And that's the Misfits. I was gonna say, yeah, the Misfits, probably, yeah. I was I, I refer to that in one of the Misfits questions in this book also. Oh nice. I uh I I, I find the book fascinating. I I, I I gotta get a copy of it because I always answer your questions and oh cool. Sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong, sometimes I give <laughs> too much information as you are quick to point out I yeah. can get my bonus points in well it's funny some people like that have bought it or a few friends that have bought it like they say oh it's actually pretty tough like I missed a lot of stuff and other people think it's kind of easy and like but I think it's I think most people think it's just about right and um and then sometimes people will answer a question and they'll add more stuff I didn't know which is always well, exciting what is one of the great questions one of the questions I liked a lot was you asked uh which members of you know which mem which members were married which members of this group this group were married the longest oh right that's a good and one. you had you had sonic youth you had um the cramps cramps x x and, and the fourth one i forget i can't remember the fourth one either and i'm sitting there doing the math in my head cuz i'm yeah. i'm a big sonic youth fan so i i oh. knew that they were married for a very long time yeah and, I, and I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing, I won't, I won't give the, the, the answer. Oh, New away Order is the other one. Yeah. What's that? New Order was the fourth choice. That's right. New Order was the other one. That's right. And then I, re I remember giving the answer and like, you were like, yeah. And I was like, well, it was between these two bands, but I was, I was mm -hmm. pretty sure, yeah. you know, just when you asked like what, 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 you know, what bands are on major labels and, you know, not, you know, th those are, those are great questions. And that makes you like, remember, oh, what labels were they were on? And then I'm going through my Rolodex trying to remember what labels they were on. And, you know, I, 
I, I just I, I find it really I find it really interesting, and I'm and I'm glad that you wanted to come on the podcast because I just I find the book fascinating, and I want more people to know about it. Cool, thanks. And there's a bunch of stuff I haven't posted from there too. But um, and then sometimes when people answer the marriage question, um, I'll follow up and say, okay, I don't want to give away the band, I guess, but I'll yeah. say, okay, so name a song that that band wrote about the breakup of marriage which was the one that you got that the one that you sent me and i'm sitting there going oh fuck i don't know i don't know too many like i've never deep dived into the band enough to like be able to pull that out and i was yeah i was pretty i was pretty pissed that i i, I gave a good answer but i was i was wrong that's cool but one thing that um actually both of my trivia books one thing that they, they don't have much of are the typical uh questions you see like what you know what was a hit song in 1997 and Mm-hmm. Or um, what's the opening lyric to this song? I think I've got one song lyrics question in the whole punk trivia. Yeah, I did notice that too. I mean, you you deep dive into these bands. It's not it's not surface surface uh, trivia, you know. Yeah, and I didn't want to do like I said the same kind of music trivia you usually see, which is kind of boring. Yeah, um, I, I wanted to ask, what was the name of your first book? Uh, the first one was called Fifty Two Quizzes for Every Music Listener. Because it's oh. um, it's seven hundred questions, and I just broke it up into fifty two chapters, so you can do one a week. Oh, nice! That's really cool. So you were doing it like over like a year, like you can you can follow each, you can ask so many questions per week of the of the book. Yeah, and that was mostly stuff I knew. I mean, that you know covered that was stuff like um, people who played music. There were some questions in there, such as uh, which style of music would be least likely to have a walking bass. You know, the one that goes Yeah. And there's stuff about, you know, um there's one about why is an electric guitar easier to play than an acoustic one? And that's multiple choice. Um I mix up the types of questions too. There's open ended and multiple choice and choose all that apply and short answer and matching. So that's really cool. Just to make it more interesting so it's not all the same thing. I wanna ask Greg, I wanna ask you one more question before I let you go. Mm-hmm. You you mentioned earlier that you're a high school teacher, right? How much from your how much from your teaching experience um, was put towards the the book, like the way that you word things, the way that you do it? I don't know what what subject you teach. Yeah, um, I, teach, uh, I teach math, so nothing related to music. Although I hang out with the music teachers, but um, okay, yeah, so, 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 so like, like I'm coming different. up with all these different types of questions. Um, like that we have a state test that everybody hates, but they have questions on there that say, um, they'll give you maybe six selections and it'll say choose three or something. So mm-hmm. that style of question I use in the trivia sometimes. And have you ever given your students uh, like 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 a test on the book? Um, not really because, uh, you know, most of them um, aren't into music that much. They might just be into like pop or hip hop or something like that. I have more, the more the mainstream been, stuff. Yeah, I have a couple students that have been movie buffs that could have done a movie trivia book, but um, yeah, most of them are into me. But one thing I noticed um, with the well, with both of the trivia books, if I show them to uh, fellow teachers, the ones who are under forty usually think it's tough, and the ones who are over forty have a much easier time with it. <laughs> Just well, good. I fall in the latter category, so I'm good to go. Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Well, Greg, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and chat with me, man. Okay, thanks. Cool. Yeah, and people can check, just go to Amazon and either type in Greg Slauson or Punk Rock Trivia Rules OK, which is actually the title comes from an old um, fanzine that had an almost similar title, just different punctuation. So you could like move the comma around and sort of make it sound different. Nice. Very, very cool, man. Like I, I had a I had a wonderful time talking to you. And like I said, thank you very much for coming on and chatting with me and uh let me pick your brain for a little while. Well thanks. Yeah, and uh look forward to getting some more answers from you on Absolutely, my man. You know, I'll be you'll be, I'll be one of the first ones to to give my answers, man. Cool. <laughs> have have a wonderful day. Enjoy the rest of your night, man. All right, Jonathan. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome, Greg. Bye-bye. 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 He spent 15 years getting loaded 15 years till his liver exploded Now it's Bob gonna do now that he can't drink The doctor said, what you been thinking about? Bob said, that's the point, I won't think about